Lord, Lord, we do look for that day of your return. When you come back as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, victorious, victorious over Satan, he is finally defeated. Lord, and thank you that we can be victors with you because of what you've done for us. Lord, we look forward to that day. Lord, help us to just keep ourselves ready. Keep ourselves ready and watching, watching and praying for your return. Lord, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We've been talking about uh, our enemy, Satan, our enemy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Last week we talked about defeating him, and I mentioned the armor of God. And today I want to kind of look at that in a little more depth. What's the armor that we have to fight the enemy? And that's found in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, beginning at the 10th verse. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. We're strong in the Lord and in his might and his power, not in our own. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, this dark, of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand the evil day and having done all, stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the gospel, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Put on the armor. We're given armor to fight the enemy. We don't have to do it in our own strength. We do it in the power of his strength and his might, not in our own. So when you feel weak, it's okay. You know, Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. He knew that his strength was in the Lord. So when he felt weak, he knew that his strength came from the Lord. So it's okay to feel weak. It's okay. But just know that your strength is from the Lord. Just know that he's the one. He's the one. Because there's going to come times when you feel weak. You feel weak. I can't do this. I can't figure this out. I don't know what to do. I just feel helpless. People say that. I just feel helpless. Well, it's those moments when we have to realize that we walk in his strength and in his power. The first armor that he says is put on the belt of truth. Put on the belt of truth. In James 14, 6. James 14, 6 says, let God be true. Wait, excuse me, no. James 14, John 14, 6. I'll get it in a minute. John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God is true. He's, Jesus says, I'm the truth. I'm the truth. He's the truth. If you want to know the truth, you need to know what he says. You know, you need to know what he says about whatever it is you're, you're struggling with. What's the truth? What's the truth? And then in John 17, 17, John 17, 17. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Jesus is truth and his word is true. His word is true. What he says in the word of God is true. That's why, 
you know, several years ago, one of the big things that, that pushed us to really think about, and we didn't think about starting this church, but it ultimately led to that. But one of the big things was the church we were in said, God's word is no longer infallible. In other words, it's okay. You know, when you start to say it's not the truth, that it's close to the truth, or it's, it's good information, or it's something good to live by. When you say it's not the truth, you start to go down a slippery slope. Because then if it's not the truth, then maybe there's some things in it that aren't true. Well, maybe that doesn't really mean this and that. And it's a slippery slope. And we have to stand for truth. God's word is true. God's word is true. And then in John 8, 32, Jesus says, If you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. The truth is what makes us free. The truth is what's the answer. The truth. What happens is that we start to twist it a little bit. We twist it to fit our situation sometimes. You know, when our kids were little, we... We taught them that, you know, stretching the truth is telling a lie. Stretching the truth. God's word is true, and it's true. If you start to stretch it and twist it and make it try to say something else, then it's no longer truth. And stretching the truth is telling a lie. Why do we say a little white lie? Think about that. A little white lie. What's, first of all, we say, well, it's little. It, it's it's insignificant. It's just a little, you know, just stretching the truth a little bit. A little white lie. It's deception. It's deceiving. It deceives us. We have to be very careful. One of the biggest deceptions I think nowadays is, you know, in, in the New Testament, when Paul was in jail, um, earthquake came and everybody was suffering. And the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? He wanted to know the truth. What must I do to be saved? What do I have to do? Do you know what we do? We know what a lot of people say nowadays. What's the least I have to do to be saved? What can I do and still be saved? Instead of saying, what must I do to be saved? We want to know, well, what's, what? okay, I want to be saved, but what can I get away with? How can, I, how can I still live the way I did or the way the world around me lives? How can I still live like that and still be saved? I want to, you know, the truth is, what must I do to be saved? What does God expect? What does God expect? What does God want to mean? Also, Satan's such a deceiver, such a deceiver. If you have children, please work on your children to tell the truth. That is such a hard thing sometimes. It's harder for some than others. Some, I, I, I'm not being just disparaging, some children are just born liars. Some of them just are born, you know, we're all, we're all born and sinful. So, you know, don't, don't, you know, I'm not talking bad about your kids. We've all sinned and come short. We all have stuff. But I just want you to know, if you've ever noticed, every once in a while you can run around, run across a child who just can't help themselves. They just have a terrible time telling the truth. And some, some children can tell the truth. 
I was, I, you know, in, in school, um, I, went to, I went to school through 12 grades with Butch Tyson, since he's not here, I can talk about him. But, <laughs> but I went to school 12 years with Butch Tyson, and Butch had a cousin, and Butch and his cousin, eh, you know, they were just kids, you know, Butch, he, you know, he threw a cherry bomb down the toilet, blew it up one time in high school, you know, just, just normal kids. And uh, back then, he'd probably been in jail. Or back now, he'd been in jail. Back then, everybody that laughed thought it was pretty funny. But anyway. Um, so anyway, but those two really intrigued me as I was in class with them because no matter what happened, they would always tell the truth. <laughs> no matter what. They did stuff, and the teacher said, did you do that? And they'd go, yep. <laughs> they told, I, I, I was always intrigued by that. They just told the truth and bore the punishment. I thought, wow, that's honorable. You know, but some kids, it doesn't matter what they do. They're going to lie to you, and they're just always going to tell a lie. If you have a child like that, please, please help them. Help them. Help them, number one, to know that lying is a sin, you know. And the hard part is you got to get them to somehow see the truth is important. So if you just come on them against lying, they're just going to lie to you another lie. At some point, you've got to try to encourage them to tell the truth. And maybe at some point, you won't punish them, but you will say, you know what? You told me the truth, so I'm not going to punish you this time. And sometimes, maybe you have to punish them. I'm not, you know, you've got to figure that all out with wisdom. But I'm just telling you, encourage them to tell the truth. And stretching the truth is telling a lie. I, one, I heard a story one time. I read a story. I didn't hear it. I read a story one time of a pastor in a very large church. He had a large staff, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, in the hundreds. That was a big church. And there was somebody in his church that kept track of the attendance. And he said that he found that this person kept stretching the truth. And I just want to tell you something. This is, pastors are terrible at this. Terrible down the road. You know, it's, it's when they get together, it's like, come on, guys, quit lying. But they all want to stretch the truth. Anyway, this pastor found out, and he fired the guy on the spot for stretching the truth. He says if he'll stretch the truth here, what will he do in other situations? And he fired him. Stretching the truth is telling a lie. And so we have to see that God is true. His word is true. His word is true. And we need to be people who are truthful. We need to be people who are truthful. Tell the truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we have to put that on. We have to walk in righteousness. We have to be godly, righteous people. Not perfect, you know, not, not religiously perfect. We have to be righteous because of what God did through Jesus Christ. And we put on that righteousness. Our own righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, certain people are pretty good because they do this, they did that. 
They did all kinds of things. Our righteousness is his filthy rags. We put on his righteousness, what he has done for us. Our righteousness does not attain from God. Our righteousness is part of obedience and serving him. But it's not to attain. So we put on his righteousness. We're righteous because of him. In Matthew, the sixth, fifth chapter, Matthew, the fifth chapter, the sixth verse. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hunger and thirst, desire righteousness, desire being righteous because of what God has done for us and living righteous, holy unto him. We have to desire that. We have hunger and thirst for it. It's what we want. It's what we need. His righteousness. It makes us, it makes us his people. It makes us right with him. And we just, we just need to remember, it's not because of what we do, but because of what he has already done. And then it says we need to have our feet shod with the gospel of peace. Peace is an attribute Peace is an attribute that comes from God. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians, the fifth chapter, the 22nd verse. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We need to be people of peace. We must be at peace. First of all, we've got to be at peace with God. We've got to be at peace with God. You know, you can know when you're at peace with God. When things are right. When, when, you're, when you're at the right place. Doing what God wants you to do. Knowing that you're forgiven. You're not at peace when you know there's something that isn't right in your life and you just don't want to let go of it. There's that turmoil. We need to have peace. At first, we need to have peace with God. Then we need to have peace with ourselves. We need to be at peace with ourselves. A lot of people struggle here because they just can't get at peace with themselves. They're not satisfied with who they are. Maybe they're just always wanting to be something else. Always looking at other people, always comparing. Not being at peace with who you are, how God has made you. Who you are in him and how he wants to use you the way you are. And they just don't have that peace. They're just unsettled. Always unsettled. Always wishing, wishing they were something else and never being what God just called them to be. We need to be at peace with ourselves, And that is, we need to be at peace with others. As the Bible says, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. As much as it depends on you. Two sides... You and others. As much as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Does that mean you're going to be at peace with everybody? No. But as much as it depends on you, you have to do your part to be at peace. And then you let the rest be what it is. We have to be peaceful. Peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. We have to be people of peace. Now, does that mean we're wimpy? Absolutely not. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We stand for truth. We stand for the right thing. 
but we do it peacefully. You say, well, how can that be? It comes from trusting him. It comes from trusting him that God's, God's in control. And I do what I can, and then I don't worry about everybody else. You know, I don't have to defend myself on Facebook. Do you ever see anybody do that? You know, people, they just, they get really weird. You know, they get weird. Because they can't be at peace. Can't be at peace, at peace with themselves, at peace with God. And as much as it depends on you, at peace with one another. And we put on a shield of faith. A shield of faith, trusting and having faith in God and his word. A shield of faith to protect us. Romans ten seventeen. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want faith, you got to hear the word of God. You can't hear everybody else. You can't hear people's opinions. You can't hear all the stuff you read. If you want faith, it comes from hearing the Word of God. Period. Period. Otherwise, the rest of that stuff around us is going to try to detract from faith. Is it difficult? Absolutely, because we live in a fallen world. And it's full of mistrust, lack of faith, not trust in God. You know, I was telling this morning, I I went to I went to exercise class on Thursday and I had to listen to faithless talk. Faithless talk all morning. And then I had to listen to him sing Highway to Hell. I'm thinking, you gotta be kidding. You think that's in, I didn't think all this, but you know, is that encouraging my faith? No. On the other hand, it encouraged my faith because I went this is crazy. It encouraged my faith, you know, in some ways, that negative, because it encouraged me, to, you know what? I believe the Word of God. And I believe what's true. And, you know, but, it, but those kind of things can tear your faith apart. They can tear you down. You know, if you want to believe God, you better believe His Word. Next week, we're going to pray for healing. I'm going to share, guess what I'm going to share before we pray for healing? I'm going to share the word of God. I'm not going to share all the I'm not going to share all the advertisements for prescription drugs that'll kill you. I'm not going to share all the people that died last week. You know, not that stuff, you know, but I'm going to share the word of God. Why is that? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. If you're believing for something, Find out what the Word of God says about it. Not everybody's opinion around you. And then we put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. It all starts when we accept Christ. It starts when we accept Him. We accept what He's done for us through His death, burial, and resurrection. We start with salvation. has to start there. Otherwise, we're just trying to do other things. And sometimes sometimes we can try to get the end by not starting right. 
You know, we can we we want the results, but we don't want to start with salvation. In Philippians, the second chapter, the twelfth verse. Therefore, my beloved, as you always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It starts with our salvation, and it, you know, it's by grace. It's by grace. But why does it say we have to work it out in fear and trembling? Well, if you're a Christian and you don't know what that means, then somehow you're on a funny path. Because if you're a Christian and you're walking the way God wants you to, if you don't think you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, maybe you're just kind of floating through life. Because I believe that as a Christian, I want to serve God. And I want to do the right things. And I know that I am saved by grace, that my works aren't going to save me. But by the same token, I have to work out my salvation. I have, to, I have to do it. I have to do it. And I do it with fear and trembling. Why? Because I understand who God is. I understand. You know, we've been talking on Wednesday nights about who is God. You know? And you can pick, oh, God's my friend. Okay, that, yeah, that's a good picture. But you know, he's also the coming king. And he's the judge. He's the coming judge. He's going to judge the quick. This is from my, from my past. He's going to judge the quick and the dead, the living and the dead. He's going to judge them. He comes to judge. So because of that, I work out my salvation with fear and trembling. Knowing that when I stand before him, I'm going to stand in his righteousness, but I want to make sure that I obeyed and I did the things he wanted me to do. And so, on the one hand, I'm saved by grace. Also, I work it out with fear and trembling because I understand who I am and who he is. He's my father. You know, some of you may remember a father that you loved, but you know, you had some fear and trembling sometimes. You know, there was fear and trembling because they have the authority. Because they're the ones in charge. And so so we need to realize that, you know, it's our helmet of salvation. And, and that's, that's something that we have and we have always. But we work it out with fear and trembling. And then we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's our offensive weapon. It's, it's the weapon we have, the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. The Word of God to fight. We can fight. When Jesus was tempted, what did he do? He said, it is written. It is written. What was his weapon? This is what God said. It is written. That's our weapon. You know, you have to know what the Word of God says. I say this over and over, but you have to know what the Word of God says. Otherwise, you have no weapon to fight with. You just, you just succumb to whatever's going on. Opinions or people around you. We have to know what the Word of God says because that's our weapon to fight with. It is written. This is what God says. And unless we know it, we're kind of defenseless. We're kind of defenseless. We're just at the whim of the enemy to come and steal, kill, and destroy. It says, put on all your armor. And we need all of it. We need every bit of our armor. 
We need to put it on. And it's interesting, it says, and then when you put it all on, just stand. Just stand. I love that. I love the picture. You know, you put on everything that God's given me, and then I stand. I stand against, against things that come against me and against his word. I stand. And my weapon is the word of God. This is what God says. This is what the word says. And we confess. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. We have to confess. Confess what? We confess what the word of God says about me. Kids say, well, I'm helpless. I'm useless. You are not. You don't see the problem is they don't know what the word of God says. They don't know what the word of God says. If you say I'm useless, then you don't know. That's not a confession from the word of God. The word of God says we are more than conquerors through him. I'm not useless. I'm not defeated. I'm more, more than a conqueror. But see, you got to know what the word of God says. And you use that. You use it for your mind and also to speak it to those around us. Sometimes if the mind's in your battle, sometimes you just need to hear it. Sometimes you speak the word of God into situations. And your children, you speak the word of God into their life. Who are they? What does God say about him? He says he has a plan and a purpose for you and for them. He's, he's got things for us to do. He's got, you know, we need to know what his word says and confess that. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are not without weapons and, and armor to protect us. Lord, help us to know your weapons and your armor. Help us to know what you've provided us so that we can stand against the schemes of the enemy. And Lord, just help us to know your word. Lord, help us to read your word. Get it inside of us, that it's a part of us so we know what you say about us and what you want us to do. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for being with us. Lord, as we go forth, help us to go forth in your word and to know that we're more than conquerors for what you, because of what you've done for us. Lord, we just thank you for that. Lord, if anyone needs prayer, I just pray you'd encourage them to come up and let the prayer team pray for them right after the service, right when I dismiss. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.